Our first scripture reading is from the Old Testament, from Numbers chapter 13. It's page 121 in that blue Bible, Numbers 13, starting at verse 25. We'll read through the first part of chapter 14. Let me set the context here. Israel has been brought out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. They've been set free. They've been brought through the Red Sea. They have come to Mount Sinai where they heard the gospel preached to them in the giving of the law. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I set you free. Now here's how free people live. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Ah, but yes, the golden calf scene happened, and you remember that. And God still restores them and has walked with them through the wilderness to this point. It's only been about a year or so since they've left Egypt. They come now where God promised them. He promised them, as he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before them, that he would give them this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so he sends, they send out 12 spies, and you probably know the story. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan, ten were bad and two were good. What did they see when they got to Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants, big and tall. Some saw God is over all. <laughs> Twelve men went to spy in Canaan, ten were bad and two were good. That's the background story. So here they come back now to tell the people what they found. And I want you to pay attention to how they saw themselves and how, where their hearts really were the whole time. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back large hordes of grapes and other fruits they carried back to show them how fruitful the land was. Verse 27, and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites uh, the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. The Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have spot, gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves, we seemed to ourselves at, like grasshoppers. So we seem to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why 
is Yahweh bringing us into this land to fall by the sword. Notice how they'd made the decision in their own heads and hearts already. We're defeated. Our wives and our little ones will become prey. They're defeated. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader to go back to Egypt. Where is their heart? Still in their slavery. So now let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, we pick up where we left off last week. We're continuing our series through Colossians, getting on with the gospel. And that's page uh, 984. And I encourage you to keep your Bibles open so you can see what I'm referring to and talking about there. Colossians 2, picking up at verse 20. So just picking it up, Paul continues. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What I read to you from the Old Testament and the New, it is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. O God, who has brought us out of our land of Egypt, who has brought us out of our house of bondage, cause us to revel in the liberty that you have bestowed on us in Christ. Amen. You may be seated. You'll find the worship guide on the back of the worship guide on the sermon notes. Lots of room to write notes. Please do keep your Bibles open to this passage. So let me tell you a story. Some of you have heard this story before. It shows up also in my last book because I think it's a very important story. It was the fall of 1890, 1890 here in southwest Oklahoma the Arapaho ghost dance prophet, Sitting Bull, came and visited the Kiowas down around Carnegie, all the way to Fort Sill, down in that area, came and visited the Kiowas and held a ghost dance at Rainy Mountain Creek, which is just a few miles southwest of Carnegie. The message of the ghost dance made large, large promises that if the people would follow the ghost dance and the visions of Jesus that it promoted... If they would follow the ghost dance, then Jesus would come and remove the European whites, would restore bison to the prairies, and return the dead loved ones back to earth. And so a Kiowa man, whose name was Appiatone, Appiatone, he became the last traditional Kiowa chief, by the way, Appiatone, who had just recently lost his own daughter and wanted what the ghost dance promised to be true, he wanted it true because he wanted his daughter back, decided to go investigate the ghost dance. And so after traveling lots of miles all the way up into Nevada, he visited the spiritual founder of the ghost dance, Wavoka, who was a Paiute. And after inquiring about the man's visions, and his visions of Jesus, and about his leadership, Apiotone found that the ghost dance was not good. And so he returned, he returned to his Kiowa people, 
and he denounced the ghost dance ritual as a fraud. And that's important to remember if you ever deal with Kiowas because there's tension still amongst the Kiowas between those who walk the ghost dance road and those who walk the Jesus road. He refused to buy the alternative Jesus that Wavoka was peddling, even though there was strong personal desire in him, and even though there was strong social pressure to follow that path. Well, that incident gives us a sense of what's going on here in Colossians, what's being presented and what's being pushed back against in Colossians. And so as I've already mentioned the last few weeks, chapter 2, verse 1 through chapter 3, verse 4, shows us the gospel gift. Jesus, as he is uh, freely offered to us in the gospel, shows us the gospel gift that brings gospel liberty. And that this gospel gift that brings gospel liberty is the antidote to the deluding troublemakers and the elemental spirits of the world. And so we pick up where we left off last week and we begin in verse 20 through 23 with human precepts, human precepts. Now, as I mentioned previously, thinking about, remember the story I told you about the state fair, right? Walking down the, the way of the state fair, hearing all the peddlers and everything. As I mentioned before, the hawkers and the peddlers of these alternative Jesuses, Colossians 2, they seem to be one group who have melded together a little bit of Judaism, verse 16, festival seasons, Sabbaths, and so forth. They've melded together a little bit of Judaism with a little bit of alternative medicine, touch not, taste not, handle not, asceticism. And they've added that a little bit of local spirituality as a nice savory relish, verses 21 through 23. Worship angels and so on, back up to verse 18. And then they sprinkled on some seasoning, a smidgen of Plato on top for good measure. Severity to the body, body bad, spirit good, that thinking. This smorgasbord approach, this folk religion, as I called it last week and explained it, is exactly what Paul describes here in verses 20 through 23 as self-made religion. And this self-made religion is packed with human precepts and teachings, verses 22 through 23. These human precepts are all part of the elemental spirits of the world. That's how he begins these verses. It's all part of the elemental spirits of the world. In fact, if we comply, if we comply with these human precepts, it means we become alive in the world. We're acting like we're alive in the world, verse 20. These cultural pressures and social demands for compliance and conformity are worldly. Now, they may be highly patriotic or progressive. They may be long-haired or they may be high and tight, clean-cut. They may be right-wing or left-wing politically, but they are pressures and demands to conform and to comply with these human precepts, this worldliness, this, these elemental spirits of the world. And so they include in the package deal, they include the human traditions with philosophy and empty deceit, back up in verse 8. They even include the deludingly plausible arguments back up in verse 4. In fact, Paul says they consist of regulations that demand submission, verse 20. They demand submission. 
comprising of things like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. But even, verse 23, it even puts on the appearance of having wisdom, the appearance of wisdom. It has a facade of street credibility and all of its practices of asceticism and its severity to the body and its self-made religion. As I said formally, these are all very much about techniques to gain control, techniques to gain control of the forces of heaven and earth to make them or trick them to work in one's favor. They're techniques to gain control of the forces of heaven and earth to make them or trick them to work in one's favor. Therefore, those who are peddling, dealing, pushing these human precepts are offering us new ways. They're offering us better ways. Better ways to be successful. Better ways to become desirable. Better ways to be the model of health and fitness. Better ways to be spiritual and even super spiritual. Better ways to be right with the gods or with God. Better ways to jury-rig the cosmic and creational forces so that they will act favorably on our behalf. And these better ways often include better versions of Jesus. A Jesus who will support our compliance and conformity to the elemental spirits of the world. The human precepts. So with these human precepts come harmful practices. And again, it's these verses, verses 20 through 23, especially verses 21 through 23. Harmful practices. As the human precepts shove regulations onto us, demanding submission, they coach us in harmful practices to come and embrace an asceticism or even moderation that goes well beyond sensibility. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used. Don't eat this, don't drink that. And why is that? Because it's a view, it's a view that sees creation and created goods darkly. It's a view that sees creation and created goods darkly. Much of these harmful practices are folded up and referred to by Paul as he is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 when he says... In 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars, peddlers, hawkers, whose consciences are seared. Here's how they do it. Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. These harmful practices see creation as somehow channeling shadowy, malicious forces and anti-powers. The proponents of these harmful practices have no idea what the psalmist meant in our call to worship from Psalm 119, verse 64. The earth, O Yahweh, is full 
of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. They would have no idea what that means. And so in their system, if you ingest this or if you touch that, you will contract or catch the toxicity of a dirty creation which will weaken then, weaken your potency and weaken your power or weaken your standing with God. Like some who added loads and loads of regulations to the scripture, regulations that were not in scripture. And then they sang things like, I don't drink and I don't dance and I don't chew and I don't go with the girls at noon. These harmful practices of human precepts often include, verse 23, asceticism, severity to the body, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. But it also includes, if you go back to verse 18, includes things like worship of angels, going on in detail, right? Just laborious detail. Going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by sensuous minds. Harmful practices because they have a damaging view of our bodies and a deleterious perspective of creation. Because they see Jesus this way or God that way, their whole perspective of creation and our bodies is very dark. It's like a fellow from the 1800s, the late 19th century, named Dr. Minor. Dr. Minor was a medical doctor who served the Union forces during, World War, during the Civil War, during the Civil War. And he ended up becoming one of the biggest contributors to the multi-volume Oxford English Dictionary. The Oxford English Dictionary, as it was published at the end of the 19th century, was like, I don't know, 12 volumes. Right? It was huge. In fact, it became the standard of the English language. And there's a second, now a third edition, but it took them 70 years to put that Oxford English Dictionary together. Dr. Minor was a huge contributor for 30 of those years. Gave heartily and gave heftily to that. In fact, he's even mentioned at the beginning of several of the volumes as having been a grand contributor, a great contributor. Well, the problem was is that Dr. Minor contributed so heavily in that 30 years while he was institutionalized in an asylum with deadly delusions. He had hallucinations that were so intense he ended up shooting a man and killing him and that's why he ended up in the asylum because that's when he was caught. And so he had deadly delusions and hallucinations. Many of those hallucinations which were very pornographically sexual in nature. And so after decades of this and going on and fighting it and trying to overcome it and having these voices and delusions and hallucinations in his head that showed up in his body. I don't want to get into gory details here, but showed up in his body. They were very sexual in orientation. Out of desperation toward the end of his life and toward the end of his time in the asylum, he tried to stop what was going on in his mind and all of the horrible sexual apparitions and so he emasculated himself with a penknife. Thinking, thinking that this would stop the dark images and the sinister voices in his head that attacked his body. So he attacked his body. And yet, the images in his head 
the voices, the scenes, the hallucinations, and all the pornographic aspect continued, having very little of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, we hear stories like that, and we easily think, well, that's weird. Right? And it is weird, trust me. But then we often think, well, that's one-off. That's something that somebody in an asylum would do. But no, my friends, it's actually not far off of many 21st century notions. Notions, for example, that prescribe hormone blockers and cross-hormonal treatments and body modification surgeries. It's not just a step over. Self-harm is still self-harm. A person thinking they can bring their malleable body into line with what they imagine about themselves and somehow bring, finally, peace to their troubled souls. Those harmful practices that reject and demean what one is as part of creation, a male or a female. Or those harmful practices that use surgical power to force themselves into a mold that will make them better or make them feel better. And we could just pile, there's so many different aspects hitting us in the 21st century that all fit into this. I even found out this last week there are pro-bulimic and pro-anorexic websites and YouTube videos out there, and they have followings in the tunes of hundreds of thousands. And that's self-harm, and it's being promoted there as enlightened and having actually achieved wisdom and great power. Now, most harmful practices arising from human precepts may not show themselves this physically injurious. Nevertheless, all of them, in the end, are looking for love in all the wrong places. They're looking away from what we have in Jesus, as he has offered to us in the gospel. And they go looking to other remedies and other techniques the kinds of remedies and techniques that promise that they can finally gain control of the forces of heaven or earth, including their bodies, to make them or trick them to work in one's favor. And my friends, what we have in Jesus freely offered to us in the gospel is far better. We actually have healthy pardon. And that's Paul's point in these verses and his point all the way through this letter, actually. Notice how he begins this section of verse 20 through 23. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? Paul's whole direction in this letter up to this point even is on healthy pardon. The healthy pardon we have in Christ. Now, I'm using the word pardon the way that a president or a governor would use a pardon, would sign a pardon to release a person from prison and commute the remainder of his sentence. We have a healthy pardon. It goes clear back to chapter 1, verse 12, that you heard in the assurance of pardon, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, who's qualified you, who's hit the golden buzzer. You're qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Pardon! 
delivered from the domain of darkness, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, emancipation from our hostage situation and slavery, redemption and forgiveness of sins. We've been pardoned. And so it's healthy pardon. Because as we are united to Christ, and remember the illustration last week of skin grafting or bone grafting, as we're grafted into Christ, where we gain life and we gain our whole standing with God and our whole goodness and well-being, as we're grafted into Him, we are being filled in Christ. Verse 10, filled in Christ. Healthy pardon, having been buried with Him in baptism, we where we are now raised with Him by the powerful working of God through faith, verse 12. Healthy pardon, because God made us alive together with Christ, verse 13. Healthy pardon, forgiving our trespasses, even taking the record of debt that was stood against us and wiping it out, verses 13 through 14. Healthy pardon. So, having received this healthy pardon by faith alone, given to us by grace alone, in Christ alone, then for us to be drawn back to those human precepts with all of their harmful practices would be like a prisoner who's been pardoned and his sentence commuted and he walks out of the prison and as soon as he walks into the parking lot, he commits a murder so that way he can be put back into the prison because as happens at times. It's safer in there. I feel safer in there. It's normal in there. It's natural to me in there. That's where I flourish, is in that prison. And it becomes suffocating. It's very much like Israel's. We were reading in Numbers 13. Set free, even pardoned. And here they are on the doorstep, the threshold of the land flowing with milk and honey, set free by Yahweh, given this land. And what do they do? They show that their hearts are still back in Egypt. They reason that real gospel liberty is impossible. We're too small. We're like grasshoppers in our sight, right? We're not able. Right? They, they, real gospel liberty is impossible. It's uncomfortable. So what do they do? We want to go back to what we're familiar with. We need to go back to our old prison while we had lots there. In fact, we really flourished there. My friends, this is Paul's whole point. Giving heed to these hawkers and these peddlers selling us, trying to pond a pan off on us and sell to us these alternative Jesuses, these pygmy Jesuses, these plastic Jesuses that can't do you no good, is to surrender to the social pressures and the cultural demands for conformity and compliance. And yet, as Paul's putting it there in verse 20, with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. You died to the elemental spirits of the world with their human tradition, philosophy, empty deceit, and deblutingly plausible arguments. With Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world because now 
He's now reconciled us by his body of flesh, by his death in order to present us, we who once were hostile, alienated in mind, doing evil deeds, to reconcile us and present us holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. If in, with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, healthy pardon. So my friends... Like, like Abiatone and the ghost dance. Be very leery of the voices, whether professional, clinical, or folkish, who are wooing you to turn to the right or to the left. Be wary of those who want to sell you better ways of human flourishing and wholeness that are very clearly anti-body and anti-creation that offer you harmful practices to crush and cut and slash and burn to make you writer. Be skeptical of those peddlers enticing you to purchase their Jesus product that, oh, they guarantee 100% money back guarantee. They guarantee will help you find your true self. will make you prosperous, will attract the divine forces to act in your favor. Be doubtful of those traitors and those schemers in the marketplace of ideas who jingle and jangle their trinkets and their prayer rugs and their relics and their manuals and their techniques with promises that you can finally arrive. Dear friends, these human precepts and their, and their harmful Practices will only take you back to your Egypt. Will only take you back to slavery. To the elemental principles of the world. To the domain of darkness. Will only take you back to alienation. Hostility of mind. Doing evil deeds. Be wary of them. But instead... As Paul's whole point here is, lift up your hearts and lift up your heads, for in Christ Jesus you have healthy pardon. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we come to you. We are grateful. We're grateful that in Christ we have this healthy pardon. We live in a world, we live amongst even some fellow Christians who think that giving in to the pressures to conform and comply with the elemental spirits of the world will finally relieve the pressure, will finally help them feel whole and full. We have friends, we have people in our families who have given heed to the human precepts and have, have jumped in whole hog to the harmful practices. Lord God in heaven, we pray that you would have mercy on them and help them to come to see what they've done. And to know that the door is open to return where they will find 
Jesus and healthy pardon. We pray for ourselves, Lord, that we who are often wooed and, and uh, being sold this bill of goods, that we would not listen. Don't be to mean, need to be mean or nasty about it. We just wouldn't listen. Instead, we would continue to hold on to our only comfort in life and in death. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, I pray for any who hear this today. Maybe they're here, they're watching, or they're going to hear it online. Who found their slavery overpowering and just overbearing. Oh God, you who set the captives free, I pray that they would find true liberty, emancipation, redemption in your son Jesus Christ and be set free. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.